welcome to the Hold Nothing Back podcast. My mission with every episode is to relay information on training, nutrition, and mindset that I wish that I had when I first started my own fitness journey. If you do like the podcast, don't forget to leave a review and let me know on the Hold Nothing Back Instagram. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hold Nothing Back podcast. So today we're going to do a listener's Q&A. So questions that you guys have asked me, um, and I'm kind of just going to do like a little bit of a rapid fire and maybe dive in a little bit deeper to some of them. But um, I did like doing that fun fact from last week. So I will be doing a fun fact today. And this is just on gut health. This is something that I find very interesting. Um, And if you guys even follow me a little bit, you know that like my coaching and the stuff that I preach is not just about training and nutrition, but it's also about like gut health, hormonal health, um, lifestyle, stress management, you know, it all kind of like meshes together, which is why I find this fact so interesting. So our gut mirrors every single emotion that we have in our brain. So this is because the activity of our brain circuits affect the organs and creates a coordinated response to every emotion that you feel. Um, So an example of this is when you're depressed, your intestines hardly move at all. Um, Or when you're anxious, your stomach will produce contractions to increase stomach acid in slow gastric emptying or slow bowel movements. Um, So, you know, this is why like butterflies in your stomach or, you know, how we say like a gut wrenching feeling, you know, that's why those things exist. It's, it's so true. It's so tied together. Um, And these connections are also related to things like IBS or chronic constipation and indigestion, which are all categorized as um, gut brain disorders. So oftentimes don't people don't even realize that the connection between their emotional state and their symptoms um, and traditional doctors like Western medicine doctors won't really catch it either, um, which is why, you know, I I really want to get into functional medicine. Um, But yeah, so it's so important to make those connections between the systems of the body. Um, And because, you know, if if one thing's off in our body, it's probably going to throw another thing off. And especially with our gut, our gut and our our mental health are so closely tied together. Um, And that's something that I have experienced myself, you know, um, with birth control and my gut health, they were really you know, because I won't say that they're causing my anxiety. Um, I think that, you know, I've always been an anxious person. I've been a type A person. I've had a lot of trauma in my life, um, but it definitely exacerbated those symptoms. So that's just something I find really interesting. And again, you know, if someone is not really listening to you, if your doctor, your gastroenterologist is not listening to your symptoms and they just say you're fine and they classify you with IBS, like, definitely look into something else um, because, you know, you're not fine. You know your body know that more than anyone else. Um, so very fun fact. I'm glad I got to share that with you guys. Um, but the first question that I want to go over today is how to make home workouts more effective. Now, this is probably something I should have covered um, back when COVID first came out. Um, but I do have some people, I have uh, a few clients in Canada, actually, that their gyms still haven't even opened, which is just crazy to me. Um, but yeah, so so how do we make home workouts more effective, whether it's because you're still locked down, um, whether it's because you're a busy mom and you have to stay home with your kids and you can only work out from home, um, you know, you can totally make this work. And I think one way to, to make the workouts more challenging is to increase time under tension. So what does that mean? That means, um, let's say your tempo on a squat, it's going to be a, you know, say like a one second lowering portion Uh, zero seconds at the bottom and then one second up. That's usually what I see people do. Now, if you wanted to make that squat more challenging, you could go ahead and try 
three seconds of the lowering portion, one second hold at the bottom, and then a you know, one second contraction on the way up. So increasing that time under tension is going to make the squat a lot more difficult. Another thing that you can do is um, add uh, blood flow restriction bands. So these are like all the rave on Instagram now. I feel like girls always just like wear them under their glutes, um, which I've actually done before. And I'm personally not a fan. You know, when I, if I have a gym that I can go to and I'm not training from home, I don't use BFR bands. But, you know, if you're someone who is working out from home and you don't have a lot of heavy weights, BFR bands or blood flow restriction bands can be really effective. Um, this is because, well, first of all, they can be really effective for people with injuries because it allows you to train with a lower load or train with less weight. Um, and then the blood flow will be increased to that injured area to help heal it. Um, but not only that, but you can, like I said, you can just lift at a, a lower weight. So um, one protocol for BFR bands is to pick a weight that's about 25 to 50% of your one rep max. Um, so, you know, that's a, a huge thing in, in itself because say, you know, your one rep max on a squat is 100 pounds. Well, now you can cut it down to 50 or you can cut it down to 25 pounds and still make it effective. Um, and so you would, you would do the 25% of the weight and then you can do, um, sets of 15 to 20 reps with 30 seconds rest in between each set for three to four sets. And that right there is going to kill you, <laughs> especially, you know, if you do it for upper body, like I said, I don't really, I don't really like them that much for legs, but when you do it for upper body, they are killer. So if you wanted to look into blood flow restriction bands, you can just Google those on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely love blood flow restriction bands for home training. It will definitely make your workouts harder. Um, another thing that you can do is you can do single leg exercises. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I can do a glute bridge. I could do a, a double leg glute bridge for maybe like 200 reps before I burn out. But now if I were to do a single leg glute bridge and maybe elevate one of my legs um, a couple inches off the ground to increase the range of motion, those are killer. I think I can do maybe like, maybe like 12, 15 right now on each of my legs. Um, and not only that with the single leg exercises, but it's, it's going to make it more challenging, but it's also going to allow you to train through imbalances because, you know, oftentimes we have one side of our body that's just like asleep or it just doesn't want to train. It doesn't want to grow. Um, you know, that could be due to a couple of things, but a lot of it is due to just a weakness on one side of your leg. Um, whether that be a hip shift or, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely very common with people. So single leg exercises are great. Um, and then another thing you can do is focus on quality and form while you're not able to go to the gym. Um, I think it's really easy to let our ego take over when we're at the gym. And we're just like, you know, we don't really care about form. We care more about adding more weight to the bar. So I think that home training is a really great time to kind of take a step back and really build your foundation on those fundamental exercises and making sure that your form is on point. Um, especially, you know, if you have a mirror at home, training in front of that mirror and just really breaking down and analyzing every single um, piece of that movement is going to help you to go back to the gym when you're lifting heavier and you're going to have amazing form when you're actually in the gym lifting heavier. Because um, again, the, the home gym stuff is definitely going to force you to lift lighter and, and take it slow. Um, and the last thing I'll say on that is to, to make home workouts more effective is to get a plan. Um, I think oftentimes, you know, we, we get a little discouraged at home because 
you know, we're training at home. This is usually the place where we relax. It's hard. You know, when you go to the gym, you drive to the gym, you're in like a whole nother world. Your body's like, okay, we know this is the gym. We're ready to lift. But when you're at home, it can definitely be a bit harder. So, you know, developing a plan for yourself is going to give you a little bit of structure that you need um, to make sure that you're actually adhering to those workouts. Um, and something, you know, a shameless plug is my Fitness with Sid app. Um, it's just www.fitnesswithsid.com if you wanted to sign up. But, you know, I offer home workouts there and that will give you a program and it'll give you a place to track your weights. Um, and it also has videos on how to do each and every exercise. So, you know, that can definitely help with motivation and, and getting you to stick to those home workouts. Now for question number two, it was, is it possible to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time? So I would say, hell yes. If you are a beginner, especially if you have a lot of fat to lose, that is totally possible. Um, this is like, you know, something that we would call body recomposition. Um, and so this is where, you know, like I said, people that have more fat, it's going to be easier because let's say you're, you're in a slight deficit to lose that fat and you're just starting to weight train for the first time. Well, first of all, it's going to be really easy for you to gain muscle because you've never weight trained before. So your body is going to be like, what the heck are you putting me through? And it's going to have to adapt to those, to that, um, you know, the new, the new stress that you're putting on your body. So you're totally going to be able to gain muscle there. And since you have a lot of fat, even if you're in a deficit, your body's going to be more likely to pull energy from those fat stores rather than your muscle. Now, if you're someone who's advanced, um, this is going to be a bit harder, especially if you are dieting. Um, I apologize if you hear going munching on a bone right now, but, um, it's going to be a little bit harder because your body doesn't have as much fat on it. So if you're dieting, your, your body's going to probably want to pull energy from muscle a bit, depending on how lean you're getting, especially if this is a competition prep when you're really, really lean. Um, unless, you know, unless you are taking a performance enhancing drug, I have seen, especially men take performance enhancing drugs or run a cycle when they're on prep and they are able to build muscle pretty much until, until they step on stage. Um, so, you know, it, it all depends. Um, but I would say, you know, in my own personal experience, I haven't dieted in almost three years now. I've just been maintaining my weight and I've just been eating at maintenance calories, which actually has been increasing a bit just because I have gained more muscle mass and the more muscle mass you have, um, I'm going to have to pause this and stop going from eating his bone. Okay. We got him a quieter bone. So he is chewing that now. Um, but you know, I would say in my own personal experience, um, again, I have, haven't dieted in about three years. So I've just been increasing my calories. Um, and the more muscle I gain, the more, the higher that my maintenance calories go. So I wouldn't say, you know, I've stayed at the exact same calorie intake, but I would say that I've just been trying to maintain my weight. And so I haven't gained any weight at all, but I do look leaner. And that is because I just have less fat and my body's more burning more calories just at rest. Um, and that kind of brings me to another question that someone had asked, and that is how to eat more and lose weight. So the, the first point that I'll make is something that I was just talking about, and that's how your body is going to burn more calories when it has more muscle because it takes more energy to preserve that muscle. So the more muscle you gain, the less fat that you're going to have on your body most likely. Um, and that's something that I preach to people all the time is, you know, they want to lose fat. So they think that they have to do a bunch of cardio. But in reality, if you just do a bunch of cardio and you have no muscle on your body, you're going to get that like skinny fat look because 
yeah, you're going to be able to to lose some fat, but you don't have any un, any muscle under your body. So unless you're literally skin and bones, you're not going to get that lean physique that you're looking for. So it's very important to gain muscle. Um, and so another thing on, on how to eat more and lose weight is, um, or basically, you know, people are asking me about reverse dieting. How does that work? Um, well, first of all, I would listen to episode six because that goes over reverse dieting. It's called the diet before the diet on my podcast. Um, but kind of like a, a short answer for that is going to be how, you know, your knee increases. So that's the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So that's the exercise that you do outside of the gym. That could be just walking your dog. Um, that could be just typing. That could be walking up and down stairs, maybe taking the stairs instead of the elevator. So that will increase because your body is going to be less efficient or um, yeah, it's going to be less efficient at burning calories because when you do have lower calorie, it has to slow down its processes to kind of compensate for the low calories to try and survive. Um, so there's the neat aspect of it. Also, hormones are going to upregulate and it's going to build your metabolic capacity. So that is like your your basal metabolic rate and just your metabolism. Um, so as you're eating more, that's going to upregulate as well. And then also the thermo effect, the thermic, thermic not talk, the thermic effect of food. And so that's just, you know, as you are digesting food, again, that will take calories. So that's kind of like a, a short summation of how people are able to eat more and lose weight because, you know, you see that a lot with people who are reverse dieting. Um, the one thing I will say though, is don't go into a reverse diet expecting to lose weight. You know, that's more likely for people who have been dieting for a very, very long time and they're just really, really down-regulated and have very low energy. But if you're someone who is just coming off of a, let's say, like 12, 16-week diet, you're probably not going to be losing weight through reverse dieting. So definitely don't go into a reverse dieting – a reverse – Jesus – a reverse diet expecting anything. Um, you know, it, it is – it's all dependent on the person. Um, so another great question that I got was favorite ways to learn more about training and nutrition. So obviously the whole nothing back podcast in my Instagram page are going to be great. Um, but besides the obvious, I think a big thing is to invest. Um, a lot of people don't want to invest money. Um, I get it. Investing money is scary. We don't want to do it, but you want to be smart in who you're investing in. And if you get a really great mentor or coach that's willing to teach you as they coach you through things, that is probably going to be the best way to learn. Um, not only doing your own research, but having a second eye is so important. Um, and that kind of brings me to my second point is listen to a bunch of different podcasts because you don't, as much as I would love you guys to listen to my podcast, you know, I want you to listen to other people as well. And this is something I preach to my clients just because you know, people are going to be biased in their own information and people are only going to be able to share their own experiences and their own anecdotes. So that's why it's important to learn from a bunch of different people. Um, for example, you know, I follow a lot of, uh, or I listen to a lot of podcasts from different bodybuilding coaches, but I don't want to learn from just bodybuilding coaches. So something else that I listen to is like the Huberman lab that I've talked about before, because he has that perspective of the brain rather than just bodybuilding coaching. Another great subset of people to listen to are registered dietitians or holistic doctors. Um, and my favorite one is Heal Thyself by Dr. G. I know I've talked about this before. I think he's fantastic and he has a bunch of different guests on there. Um, but yeah, just learning from a bunch of different people gives you different perspectives. And I would say that's probably why 
you know, I, I feel like I am such a well-rounded coach because I have those different perspectives. Um, so that is really important that you're not just getting information that's biased. Um, another great resource is Mass by, um, I know Eric Helms has a couple articles on there, like Greg Knuckles. Um, they're really smart people in the industry um, in terms of exercise science. And so, you know, you can just Google, I think it's, um, it's monthly applications of strength sport. And so they send out um, meta-analyses based on the, the most recent literature and they break it down for you and they help you read the this, this study so that, you know, some studies are biased. They don't have the best information. So they kind of go ahead and do that for you. Um, so I absolutely love that. And another thing is just reading books. So the one I'm reading right now is The Mind-Gut Connection by, it's like Emerin Mayer. Um, books are great, especially if you get someone that is highly educated in the topic, not someone that is just super biased with the information. And, you know, a tip for you guys, if, you know, if, if someone is trying to preach um, a certain diet that is very restrictive and it says you can't eat certain things, that's something, I mean, besides, you know, the obvious like processed foods and all of that, if, you know, for example, like the carnivore diet, you know, that's something I'm a little bit skeptical on because it is so restrictive. But if you can find um, reputable books from people that are, are very smart, um, that's a really, really great way to learn things. Um, but yeah, and so the last question that I got, or actually the second to last question that I got, because I do want to have a fun question at the end, is um, someone asked, I like to run five to six miles daily, but I also want to lift. How can I do this and will it affect my lifting? So there is something called the interference effect. Um, and this is where, you know, the more there is scientific data that shows that the more cardio and endurance training you do, the less you're going to be able to recover and thrive during the strength training. So you know, as much as, you know, you can do whatever you want. I think ad adherence and being a happy person is going to be the most important thing in terms of your fitness journey. But, you know, you just have to be mindful that it is going to be hard to recover from the running and recover from training at the same time. And so they're kind of going to play off of each other and you're not going to be able to be really good at one thing. But of course, again, if you want to be able to mesh the running with the training, you can probably do that. Um, I would just say to cut back the running maybe to like two, three days a week. And that could be on days that aren't before your leg days because your legs aren't going to be able to recover prior to that leg workout. Um, but yeah, I mean, do what makes you happy, but definitely understand that there is an interference effect. Okay. So now this is the last question that I got. And I definitely want to talk on this because um, a lot of people have asked me this and I just absolutely love anime. It's like definitely my guilty pleasure. Um, if I don't watch anime at night, I'm actually really upset. I have to make room for at least one episode a night. Um, so my favorite animes. So if you guys follow me on Instagram, you know that I have a dog and his name is Gone. Actually, I just mentioned him. Um, so he's actually named after Hunter Hunter. And that was the second anime I've ever watched. And I love Gon's character. Gon, my dog, is such a Gon. He's like so curious and he loves to adventure and he's a sweetheart. Um, so Hunter Hunter definitely has a special place in my heart. But I would say Attack on Titan is like probably the best anime I've ever watched by far. Like the storyline on that, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And I can't wait for the last season to come out. Um, but yeah, I, I love Attack on Titan. That was actually my first anime I ever watched that got me into anime. And it also made me fall in love with Captain Levi. I think Captain Levi is Bay, and he is such a badass. 
So Attack on Titan is definitely number one. Also, um, Kangen Ashura, I know that one's like a, a fighting one and I just like fighting and I like to like bet on the characters. Um, so that one's a really great one. I also like Seven Deadly Sins um, and also One Punch Man. I love One Punch Man. I think that one was a lot of uh, fun too, but all right. So that is the last of the questions that I got asked for this podcast. I definitely like doing a Q&A style because sometimes like the topics are are so long and I feel like I'm going to miss things, but it's so much easier when you guys just ask me and tell me exactly what you want to know about. So definitely keep an eye out on my story for the next time that I ask questions for the podcast um, because I will be doing another one of these soon. Um, And also, if you guys want to enter the giveaway, the one month of free coaching, make sure to leave a review uh, down below and then just tag your Instagram handle so I can message you when I do pick the winner. Um, But yeah, so, so this is the end of the podcast. And thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope to see you on the next episode, even though I won't be seeing you. I hope that you listen to the next episode. All right, guys, have a good one. episode make sure to leave a review and share to social media and if you are interested in hiring me as your coach head to www.holdnothingback.net to apply